Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Get Writing Radio Show. Two-time published author, speaker, and ghostwriter Karen Rowe will help you get that book out of your head and into your reader's hands. Get ready. It's time to get writing. Welcome to Get Writing, everyone, the podcast for authors, speakers, and entrepreneurs who want to get their book written and published. I will be interviewing professionals from all facets and aspects of the book world, authors, editors, fiction and nonfiction specialists, cover and book designers, literary agents, publicists, and marketing experts, and more. My name is Karen Rowe. I'm a ghostwriter and the owner of Front Row Seat, a full-service writing firm. I'm an expert in nonfiction and can help you position yourself as a leading authority in your niche. I develop professionally written and designed books done for you, and my mission is to help you find your voice and uncover your own unique and powerful story to create an instant connection with your marketplace. Welcome, and thank you so much for joining me tonight. My guest on the show today is the acclaimed Charmaine Hammond. She practically needs no introduction, but I am going to give her one anyways. She's an international speaker and best-selling, award-winning author. She describes herself as an accidental author, so she hadn't really thought about writing a book. However, her dog Toby gave her so much to write about, she wrote a story for Chicken Soup for the Soul. Shortly after that, she met a publisher who wanted to turn Toby's story into a book. She now has three books in the Toby series, two are for children, a personal development book, GPS Your Best Life, co-authored with her dear friend Deborah Kozowski, and is featured in five other books. In the past five years, she's learned a great deal about writing, the publishing world, and marketing and selling your books. She loves to share her learning with authors to help them save some of the time-consuming and costly mistakes that she experienced so you can just get on with writing and share your message with the world. So Charmaine, welcome to the show. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you very much. Great to be here. So one of the reasons I absolutely knew that I wanted to have you as one of my first guests is precisely because you're so generous at sharing with others the benefit of everything you've learned. So we're just going to hop right into it. So you've been really successful at making your book a business. So what's the deal with that? How do you <laughs> How do you do that? Well, if you want to talk about mistakes, I'll share one right off the bat, which led me to making our book a business. I didn't know anything about the publishing world. I mean, nothing. I knew nothing about it. And one of the mistakes I made in the beginning was not learning about the publishing world and how the publishing business works. Once I started to learn about that, Um, It opened up a lot of questions for me, and I started to think, because I was already an entrepreneur, I've had a business for 17 years, I started to think about my book differently, not just as a product that I'm selling, but I needed to create a community that was a fit for my book. I needed to create other messages than just my book, and I needed to create other platforms to sell my book, and that's when I started thinking about my book as a business instead of my book as a product. And that shift in thinking made dramatic changes in the ease of marketing and selling our book. And I can give you some examples of that. Sure. Let's let's hear them. What are what are some really tangible examples? Well, the first thing I learned, and I, I bet, Karen, you might have found this and, and other uh, authors listening, when when we start with the writing process and our book is produced, there's a lot of things that we don't know. And I was in that position. I just didn't know what I didn't know. 
And oh. then I, you know, I've got the book. I rip open the box. The books have new book smell. And then I've got to do something with them. I've got to sell them. And so I thought, well, what do authors do? They do book signings. They do media. So I started booking book signings at stores and doing media. And then I had a big aha about three months in. One of the media outfits that I was looking at doing media said, can you send me links to all of your past media? And, of course, I said, sure, absolutely, and then spent about a week trying to get all these back. I didn't have the links. I didn't save my contacts. You know, I just was reinventing the wheel over and over again. So lesson number one about making your book a business is learning how to systematize because now that I've got uh, three books in the Toby series, two others, there's many marketing programs that we have going on for each book. And it's so easy now for me to just replicate what I've done many times over by having the spreadsheet of all the media contacts, every single link to newspaper, radio, and TV goes in there so that if anyone were to say, can you send me your media from such and such a community, it's a quick copy and paste and gone. And it has saved me hours and hours of time and frustration. So systematize systematizing everything you do is critical. I agree. That is a great tip, and I definitely learned that as well. So I wish I'd talked to you before <laughs> I learned that. <laughs> and I know that you've been really successful in generating people to purchase your books and getting it out to school. And so can you talk a little bit about how you've been working, you know, bulk buys and selling one, you know, going from one to one um, and, and into one to many and, and why that's that's preferable. Oh, I just love this conversation. I get really excited because for the first, after On Toby's Terms came out, I'd say for the first year, maybe even two years, uh, which was the span between my second book coming out about two years, I was doing book signings, media, uh, a lot of speaking. That was where I was selling my books. But I thought, wow, you know, it's a lot of work to show up, drive two hours to a bookstore, be there mm -hmm. for four hours. And the average author what the bookstores are telling me is the average author who is not in their home community, so traveling to a signing, mm -hmm. sells between about 8 and 12 books on average, which that's not many books for the author, mm -hmm. and that's a lot of time invested. So I thought, you know, there has to be an easier way. The one-to-one -one sales are great, and we make relationships with our audience, but I want to make a bigger impact in the world. I want to help more people and share my message around the globe. And so it all started actually from an amazing event coordinator. I was speaking at a women's conference who was the perfect audience for one of my books. Um, it was a farming community, and one of my books is about our dog, Toby. So I mm -hmm. knew there was animal lovers in the crowd. And so the lady who was doing the event organization said, you know, we've got about 250, 300 people that are coming, all women, all love animals. Wouldn't it be great if you could sell your books here? And I thought, it sure would. But we know from a conversion standpoint is typically you sell about 20% of your books at that kind of an event when you speak. Mm -hmm. So I thought, you know, that's not a lot of books. And I want everyone to go home with a copy. So I don't know where the thought came from, Karen, but it just kind of entered my head. And I said, I wonder if we could find somebody to buy those books. And then the women can spend their money shopping at the other booths. And mm -hmm. so she said, what a great idea. Seven minutes later, Karen, she phones me back and she says, we have all 300 books purchased. She phoned a wow. veterinarian. I know. <laughs> what a great idea. 
<laughs> she phoned a local veterinarian uh, who was in the county that I was speaking at and told him about the presentation, told him that I would provide a deeply discounted price to purchase the books, and he purchased 300 just like that, you know, seven minutes, the conversation. I wasn't even part of it. And then I thought, I said to her, well, jeepers, I also have another book, a children's book. I wonder if we could get that sponsored. So she then phoned three uh, business leaders in her community and asked them all to share a third of the cost. So basically, in about half an hour, we had sold 600 books with minimal effort and 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 then I got to promote these businesses and the veterinarian as just heroes and introduce them to the audience. Wow, that's a great idea. And so for the listeners, obviously a veterinarian might not be the best sponsor for them, but if your book is around real estate or or something in business or you know, you just want to be thinking who would make a natural sponsor that would end up looking like a hero for providing a copy of this book to everyone in the audience. So that's um, exactly. something you want to keep in mind. Yeah, absolutely. And then obviously that worked with the first time, so you continue to use that as a strategy um, in, in your other speaking engagements. Is that correct? I have. I've used that strategy in speaking engagements. We've even done it, Karen, with um, like holiday promotions, for example. We have a program where we say um, buy a book and pay it forward. So it's a smaller quantity. But what we find is we have an option where people can buy a book and pay one forward to a school or a charity of their choice or buy a book and purchase 10 to pay it forward. And we've also had them buy a box to donate to charity. So even at book signings, we've had a little handout, which we're now going to create into a postcard, where we say something like, we have schools and nonprofit organizations and colleges and charities really wanting copies of our book. Would you like to provide a set or a box of books to either your charity or a charity that we have on a waiting list? And we've sold boxes of books that way more times than I can tell you. That's a really great strategy and really smart because I'm not sure how many of our listeners are aware, but the average self-published book especially sells in the range of around 127 copies. And I always say that's to like your mom, (laughs) your friend. (laughs) And once they're done buying, you've got to figure out what strategy am I going to use to really get my book in the hands of the right people. Because, yes. you know, everyone, everyone that's writing has a message and it's not doing any good if, if all those books are sitting in your garage. So what I really love about what Charmaine's done is that she's found a really downstream way to not only do that, but without having to, you know, reinvent the wheel, right? Where Within a half an hour, she made a couple of phone calls and had sold, what did you say, 600 books or something mm-hmm. just by... By, by having a really strong set strategy. So if you're listening and you've already published a book or you're about to or you're, you know, you're writing your book, write it down in terms of who are the people that I could connect with in the business community or in, in the community that's related to my niche and my subject matter and have them sponsor the book as a strategy. So that's really great. And the other thing I think it speaks to, Charmaine, is you know, I, I often find that there's this romantic notion out there of about the life of an author and, you know, going on a book tour and book signings and how glamorous it is. <laughs> and, and mm-hmm. you know, as you mentioned, like you're driving two hours and you sell 12, sell 12 books. So it's, um, you know, not like the paparazzi of J.K. Rowling or Stephen King or anything like that, right? <laughs> that that's right. And that's why if you think about your – you, you've exactly – 
um, said what I think is most important for authors to hear, and I didn't hear that, or maybe I did and I chose to ignore it when people shared with me that you're not going to retire perhaps on your book. It's going to be on all the wraparound things that you do. So, for example, I do a lot of speaking, and you can bet that every book that I've written somehow finds its way into that presentation, into the hands of the audience, at a table to, to buy, however I do that for each particular client. But where, where we sell our most books is not in bookstores and not on Amazon and the other online platforms. It's by me being out there um, supporting fundraising events and speaking. So the more that you can think about your book like a business and consider what are the wraparound products and services, like one uh, author that I was uh, working with in my program, she has written a book about real estate, and it's a really cool niche market for baby boomers. And so what she has done with her book is she's actually got a series of educational programs that are through webinars and teleseminars. Part of the registration is the book. So for every $45 or $50 registration, they get a copy of the book um, sent to them. And so she's building a community. She's building her speaking audience and, of course, selling her books. And she's doing great with that model. That's fantastic. And and it also speaks to really I've I've said this often and I will continue to say it that your book really needs two things to succeed. It not only needs the great quality content, it needs a strong platform. And Charmaine, you're so great at building that platform and it is can be a little disheartening for some authors that think, you know, well my book is just great. I poured my heart and soul into it and there's this notion that people should just, you know, that that people should just know that it's great and that by word of mouth people will read it and the word will get out and it's really not the case. It really is up to us mm-hmm. as authors to build and develop that platform. So exactly. Charmaine, my yeah, my question to you is what if there's a listener today who you know, is just wants to write their book, they love writing, they hate networking, they don't necessarily want to build their book as a business, they just want to write books. Do you have any suggestions for them on what they can do to, you know, get their book out into the hands of the people that need them? Yeah, absolutely. And and that's a really good point, Karen. I'm glad, glad that you bring that up because not everyone is going to want to make a, their book a business or be an entrepreneur author. There's many skilled authors who who want to inspire the world through their words. And I met one of those people at a parenting conference I was at. She's an exquisite children's author and just has just has a beautiful story. She's a great storyteller, although she would say that she's not. And I was watching her, and she was so uncomfortable in the book signing and, and meeting mm-hmm. and greeting. And she had a friend with her who was talking about how great this lady's book is. They were flying off the shelf because of the friends, and she, the author was saying, I'm just struggling to market, and I said, I think you found your answer. She's sitting <laughs> right next to you. Let her do so, that, and you do what you love, which is writing. So that's what they've gone away and done, and this lady is like going to church bazaar. She's selling books like there is no tomorrow, and, and that's allowing the writer to do what she is comfortable with and just totally inspired by, and that's writing. Great. So really, if that's not your gig, um, then align yourself with talented individuals who can promote the heck out of you. And if it's a friend, great. And if not, you can hire someone, you know, who really believes in you and your work. Exactly. You know, I always think to myself, we have this great marketing team that either live with us or are related to us or provide a service. So, you know, one idea as well is to connect with your 
influencers and champions who you might not think of that way. So, for example, your hairdresser or hairstylist or the spa that you go to. Uh, when we launched our book, I actually had our spa come on board and buy initially 30 books, and then she bought another two boxes. So she bought 100 books, and she was selling them out of her spa. My book at the time that she was selling was a children's book. It has nothing to do with a spa. But she was so excited that one of her clients had written a book that she was selling them in her store just to say, that, hey, look at one of one of our clients has done. And we've now done that over and over again with other businesses that we that provide services to us, asking them if they'll sell them in their store or their office. And, you know, the people that you deal with are so excited for this amazing accomplishment. You wrote a book. So mm-hmm. they're excited to champion it for you. Sure. That's a that's a great point. So really, you don't even have to look that far, um, maybe just as far as your front door, and, and you can really get someone that will champion your book for you. So Charmaine, just for our listeners tonight, um, how can they get a hold of you if they want to find out more about you or Toby's books? Or um, where what's the best way for them to do that? Probably the best way would be my author website, which is howtosellandmarketyourbook.com. Oh, that's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and I like also how clear and specific that URL is because there's no doubt about what that, what that website is about. <laughs> so I'm give, <laughs> yeah, I'll give credit to our coach, Tom. He helped us pick out a great uh, a URL that, you know, is searchable because I knew nothing about search engines and SEO and all of that stuff. So that's another example of if, it, if it's not your genius, you know, find someone who can help you with it. Great. And can you just say the URL one more time? Sure. How to sell and market your book.com. Okay, great. So um, I also really wanted to talk to you because I know I've seen you speak a number of times and I know that you've always mentioned that you have been really great at getting a lot of your book tour items sponsored so clothing and jewelry and some of your tra- your travel and that that really allows you that to go out on a tour and you know get your message out there so can you share with us how you managed to do that because I would love to know absolutely and I'm going to credit Oprah I was watching Oprah one day and on the back of the credits I happened to look up and I saw this sort of screen Oprah's Oprah's clothing provided by, Oprah's jewelry provided by, Oprah's perfume provided by. And I thought, I want to have Charmaine Hammond provided, (laughs) jewelry provided by. So I thought, darn it, I need to create my own Oprah model. How do I do that? I didn't even know where to start. So what I did is I wrote a list of everyone that I do business with, where I spend money every month on hairstyling, on clothes, on groceries, on insurance, on my cell phone. So I wrote that list and it was quite long. And then I started to put a star beside the ones that um, I needed for my tour. So then I, so some things started to emerge like clothing and jewelry and printed material. So they had a star. And then I put a second star beside those ones when I had a good relationship with somebody in that business. Mm. So a first name or they knew who I was. And then I basically started uh, with our, my spa and the clothing uh, store that I bought my clothing from. And I told them I was going on tour and I would love to find a way to collaborate together. I have a need for clothing, and I know that that store might want to get in front of the readers that read my book or the audiences that I speak to. And um, the first was a heck yes. It was my clothing store, and she outfitted me with, I'd say, close, at least close to $1,000 worth of clothing. 
and then came wow. back when it was season change and said, well, you need winter clothes now oh. <laughs> and did the same thing. And then my spa provided me with monthly hairstyles and oh. makeup and, and a massage every month so that I could feel good. <laughs> and then my Charmaine, friend who has a, that's a million yeah. dollar tip. <laughs> right. <laughs> and you know, I thought it was going to be so hard and I got to be honest, I was so awkward about having the conversation. And then my husband said, you know, Charmaine, you're a speaker, really. And I said, no, but this is an ask. This is not me sharing information. This is me asking for help. And the next person I called up said, hey, I heard you were going on a tour. I have these great health products. What really want to make sure you're hydrated and, and having health products while you're on tour. Could I be a partner? Um, and I had people coming on board. Can we provide you your shoes? Hey, Toby needs food. How about we give you the dog food? <laughs> it just went wow. on and on. 37 partners in the matter of about three months came on board with providing in-kind support like that. And then in terms of the sponsorship, you would give them – um, you know, on your printed materials and at the back of the room, or how would it work in terms of, of the sponsorship? Well, we, we did a bunch of different things. Um, I, I needed to remember that because these products were being provided in kind, and yes, they were offsetting our business costs, I also had to make sure that I wasn't now going out and spending thousands of dollars to then remarket them. So what we sure. did is we created a really um, exciting program where I would do a lot of introductions to them and potential clients. We did videos. Mm-hmm. Um, I took a lot of pictures, and every time I was wearing the clothing from Caprice Consignment, I would say, look mm-hmm. at me, clothing by Caprice, go see mm-hmm. Glenda. You know, I'm still talking about them, and it's four years later, and I'd make a lot of referrals. Um, mm-hmm. We let the newspaper know. We promoted them through press releases. So we did what we could, and then some of them actually came on, Karen, later as cash sponsors where they donated um, cash towards our tours. Okay, great. So it sounds like you're just generating really positive word of mouth and strong relationship marketing, um, and and then that led to cash sponsorship down the road. But that was organically that that got developed. It did, and then that started me thinking that we need to start looking at some bigger companies that might have a vested interest. So when we did our first Pause Across Canada tour in June, we had two magazines that came on to sponsor us. We had Petland Canada um, that was one of our key sponsors. They were incredible. They actually sponsored a number of presentations um, in schools and purchased our books for schools. And then we actually, Petland Canada, along with a number of businesses, so many I can't even list them, um, mm-hmm. they helped us with a philanthropy part of our tour, which we called Toonie for Team Toby. And so for our friends in the U.S., Canada has a little $2 coin called a Toonie. So all of these incredible business champions and partners came on board and sold our cutout paw prints in their store for $2. And the money that came back from that supported our chosen animal charity and the other 50% of it went into us providing schools with copies of our books that had been purchased through this fundraising portion. So that's another way that you can work with partners is through your philanthropy initiatives. Well, and that's so great. What I'm really getting from this is how easy it can be and how many different opportunities there are to, you know, make this easy on yourself, right? It doesn't have to be like mm-hmm. pushing rocks uphill um, and that everyone, you know, when they're really enrolled and invested in something, they're happy to get on board and support, especially, you know, especially with a strong message such as the one that you have. 
Yeah, and I mean, I see that all the time with authors, whether they write about real estate or whether it's a memoir or a book about health or a book about separation and divorce. It doesn't matter. It doesn't seem to matter so much what the topic is about. It's more around the energy and the goodness that you're creating through your message, through your book. Well, and it sounds like it just starts with asking, and I, the worst they can say is, no thanks, I'm not interested, right? Exactly. <laughs> but it helps, well, and it helps to know that, well, Charmaine can do it, <laughs> surely. <laughs> I've taken notes, I'm right in the list of where do I shop. <laughs> so uh, so we've only got about six minutes left. Um, so just quickly, I guess, what has been your biggest mistake, and, and what is your juiciest and best tip for listeners who are in the process of writing and or publishing their first book? Mm. You know, I think one of my biggest mistakes was, you know, not understanding understanding the publishing world, and it's it's just such a big world, an interesting mm. different business model. The second mistake I did was more related to the writing, and I kept putting it off. Um, I I would say, okay, I'm going to write for an hour tonight or half an hour. I'm going to finish this mm-hmm. chapter, and I always allowed something more important. Even, you know, cleaning the kitchen or cleaning the stove, that's not more important than the book. <laughs> but I would find ways to avoid it. And then and so I, I then needed to ask for help and support from my husband to just push me, to challenge me to get this done. And, and he kind of helped me change my perspective about this. And, and part of what I figured out what my fear was. My fear was, oh, what happens if I write the book? Like, what, what happens if I finish it and it gets out there to the world? And what if some people don't like it? And, mm. you know, I've learned that some people don't like my book. There's people who aren't dog lovers that don't like the mm. book. Or, you know, there's people who have a different philosophy. But there's so many people who love the book. And and that's what I focus on. But There's a lot of fear, I think, that we have as authors, and I think sometimes we feel very alone and isolated and uninspired. So it's finding that inspiration and and really just doing it. You know, I would write, and even if it was an hour of not very useful writing, at least I kept the commitment to my book and and wrote it. So it sounds like uh, one of the things you did was, A, you figured out really what was stopping you and why you were procrastinating and what you were scared of. B, you asked someone to help you kick your butt. In this case, it was your husband. Um, mm-hmm. And C, you continued writing regardless of however you felt about it or if you were fearful. And sometimes the work wasn't you know, high quality, but the point is, is that you kept your momentum going. Yes, yeah. And have you has your process changed um, from your first book to now? You've you've got what five books out now. So what has has evolved since the first time you wrote your book? This is what's evolved for me, and maybe I'll share this as my juicy tip. I learned that I'm a much better storyteller than I am okay. a writer. And so what I've done with most of my books now, and even some of the products I create, is I talk my book. So I I've got a recorder. And I stand in my room or in my office and I talk as if I've got an audience and I, I tell the story. And then I send that over to a transcriptionist who, for minimal amount of money, transcribes my audios into my book. And then I spend time organizing it and formatting and structuring it. And the story, it, it was so powerful because my editor phoned me in the middle of editing, and she said, Charmaine, what is going on? It's like two people are writing your book. There's an emotive storyteller, and then there's this really bland, like sort of itemized (laughs) list. 
<laughs> and reporter. that one, is, she said, and she said that one is going to cost a lot of money to edit. So let's talk about the other one. <laughs> Who's doing that writing? I said it's me. I'm talking my book, and she said, "No more typing from head to computer for you. You need to talk everything." And that was just okay. juicy learning. Oh, that is a great tip. I also learned that. So you, I, what I'm hearing is you don't have to be a great writer and find out where your strength lies. So in your case, you're a great storyteller, better storyteller than a writer. For any listeners out there that know I'm a better writer than I am a storyteller, just find what works. And the other thing I heard you say was that you really, it took you a while to find your voice and to find out what works for you. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. And that's when asking for help, getting coaching, whatever you need to do to bring that story out is so essential. Okay, so about a minute left. Any final thoughts that you'd like to leave our listeners with? Um, I just want listeners to know how important their books are because the uh, as books have changed my life um, from the time I've been reading as a little girl, and I know that the people listening have books that need to get out. The world needs your message. So just do it, like Nike says, just do it. <laughs> Absolutely, that's a great tip. So thank you so much for being on the show. I could talk to you for another hour and a half. You're so easy to talk to, and you've got such a wealth of knowledge. I'd love to have you back on the show. Um, Next week, we also are going to have an author, Bill Balky, on the show, and I am so looking forward to, um, to, to, to that next week.